Swedish Cyberknife. Treat prostate cancer with Swedish Cyberknife. Swedish.org slash Cyberknife Prostate. And now, America's number one show on pop culture and politics. This is the Michael Medved Show. And another great day in this greatest nation on God's green earth, but not such a great day for the Donald J. Trump Jr., not Jr., uh, he's Donald J. Trump, uh, campaign for President of the United States. Why not? Well, uh, because, first of all, there was an endorsement that was made that had been widely expected to be for Trump, and it went to... DeSantis. Uh, we will give you that story. There's also new charges that have emerged in that Georgia case against Donald Trump. Most of the publicity recently has had to do with uh, what's going on in New York and the alleged hush money paid to Stormy Daniels and Karen McDougal to try to cover up uh, allegations about uh, sexual misbehavior. Uh, we will we will get to all of that, but uh, there's also been a clearer, more welcome voice on the Republican firmament. Somebody repeating a uh, a speech on a theme that Ronald Reagan used in 1964 before he was even ran for governor of California. He talked about a time for choosing. Is this a time for choosing too for Republicans? Condoleezza Rice thinks it is. We will play for you what she has to say. And uh, Marco Rubio has weighed in uh, forcefully on what happened with that Russian jet that brought down an American drone, a drone worth $50 million. Uh, Jeremy Steiner, pride of Hillsdale College, asked a very good question. We're going to send Mr. Putin the bill. I mean, now that they've released the tape, which kind of does indicate, well, no, no, it wasn't just an accident. It was actually brought down by a Russian pilot. Uh, There has to be some accountability. Uh, We will get to that. We'll also be talking to a homeless activist who spent 20 years trying to help the homeless get off the streets and now says that uh, the problem is we're doing it all wrong. What we're doing is enabling homelessness, encouraging it, uh, rewarding it. Uh, We'll talk to uh, this veteran homeless activist who has changed his tune and his perspective. We'll be speaking to him a little bit later in the Michael Medved show. Okay, first off, Fulton County investigators. Uh, That's the Fulton County is that uh, part of metropolitan Atlanta that uh, has the district attorney, Fawny Willis, who has been looking after President Trump and his uh, desire uh, to perform allegedly some illegal instances of uh, uh, arm twisting to uh, get the Secretary of State, Brad Raffensperger, and this was all recorded on a phone call, to find 12,000 extra votes to turn over the tape. Now there's another phone call, which nobody knew about. A Fulton County investigators have an audio recording of a phone call that former President Donald Trump made to the Georgia House Speaker to push for a special session to overturn Democrat Joe Biden's 2020 victory in the state. 
this, um, according to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, but being confirmed by many other sources. What's so bizarre about this is the focus on Georgia was because given the fact that it's a Republican legislature, both houses and a Republican governor and a Republican secretary of state and a Republican speaker of the house, uh, President Trump assumed obviously that he could get them all to do what he wanted. But they all stood up to him. Uh, the uh, David Ralston is the name of the speaker of the house he spoke to. And what's so bizarre about it to me is that Georgia is 16 electoral votes. So even if President Trump had won the state of Georgia, uh, Joe Biden still would have won by with a margin of 20 more electoral votes than he needed, even if Georgia had flipped, even if Georgia and Arizona had flipped, even if Georgia and Wisconsin had flipped, it would have taken Georgia and Pennsylvania and one other state. And this is why this entire thing is so crazy. The Fulton County Special Grand Jury, which has been investigating Trump's actions in the state after the 2020 election, heard the recording of Trump's call to David Ralston. According to five of the jurors who spoke anonymously to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, a source confirmed to CNN the existence of the recording, which hasn't yet been made public. Well, soon to be very public. The recording adds to what is known about the pressure uh, campaign by Trump and his allies on Georgia officials. It's the third audio recording of the former president's phone calls to Georgia officials that is known to exist. The special grand jury recently concluded its work and recommended multiple indictments, according to the foreperson who has spoken out publicly. Now it's up to Fulton County District Attorney Bonnie Willis to make the charging decisions. One of those indictments could easily be against President Trump. This is to go along with his indictments, which are almost surely pending in the Southern District of uh, Manhattan um, with uh, the Stormy Daniels, Michael Cohen matter. A speaker, Ralston, who received this phone call is unavailable to... Uh, to confirm or deny any of the things that he said or any of the reproductions of his voice because he died. He died last year. But he had uh, described his December 2020 call with Trump during an interview in the following day. Uh, Trump would like a special session of the Georgia General Assembly, Ralston said. He's been clear on that before. And he was clear on that in the phone conversation yesterday. You know, I shared with him my belief that based on the understanding I have of Georgia law, that it was going to be very much an uphill battle. A part of what the Journal Constitution wrote about is that uh, Trump asked him, uh, if you called a special session, who was going to stop you? And, uh, and Speaker Olson said a federal judge. Um, I, I mean... This is this is in, entirely bizarre, and uh, the the idea that this is going on at a time when there are serious debates uh, going on about the future of the Republican Party regarding foreign policy in particular, but regarding 
everything, the ability to save Social Security. There's a terrific editorial today from the editorial board of the Washington Post. And what's terrific about it is it's pretty conservative. It's not some kind of liberal pie-in-the-sky thing that you'd expect from the Washington Post, but it's about this issue of the trouble that Social Security is in. And when everybody says over and over again, okay, Social Security has to be off the table, no changes in Social Security, if we have no changes in Social Security, it is going broke. There is not enough money there. And already 21% of what the government spends, far more than the percentage it's spent on defense, is spent on Social Security. And so what's supposed to happen if this uh, does go broke? Uh, look, all, all of this is important to discuss, especially in light of a speech that was given at the Reagan Library by Condoleezza Rice, statements by Marco Rubio on foreign policy, and the example of the dramatic confrontation in France where basically the future of raising the retirement age, which is the very key to saving Social Security, raising the retirement age in France from 62 to 64, the regular retirement age today under Social Security is 67. If that got raised to 69, especially for uh, younger people before they long before they retire, would it be such a disaster? Uh, we will get to that and to more coming up on the Medved Show. How dare you say something like that? Michael Medved. show uh president trump uh there's another tape not just the tape we were talking about in uh in georgia regarding the desire to overturn the results of the election in georgia where uh and and just to put this in some perspective when president bush carried florida and that was the key state that, that won the election. If Florida had been carried by Al Gore, it was only one state that was needed to flip that election because it was so close. It was only four electoral votes between them. Uh, Biden won with a margin, depending on how you count them, of three states or four states. And Flipping any one of those states would not have done it, even the largest of them, which was Pennsylvania, which has 20 electoral votes or did. But in any event, the, uh, uh, the, the ongoing debate is whether the Fulton County uh, grand jury is going to come up with there almost surely will be indictments. And the question is going to have to be decided, will one of those indictments be the former president of the United States? Meanwhile... With all of this talk about the new phone call to David Ralston, uh, which uh, was heard by the jurors, the grand jurors uh, meeting in uh, in Atlanta and in Georgia, there's uh, there's this statement that was just released by President Trump, 
And I, again, if somebody can give me an answer, I don't know why. I, I mean, it makes you really question his timing and his judgment. But uh, here, with all of this discussion about the Russian jet and the American drone and the dispute about what DeSantis said uh, about Ukraine and the ongoing debate about uh, the extent that, that we need to provide Ukraine with uh, the equipment that they need so that they could actually prevail in this war and uh, protect their country from oblivion, President Trump uh, says this. Listen. Our foreign policy establishment keeps trying to pull the world into conflict with a nuclear-armed Russia based on the lie that Russia represents our greatest threat. But the greatest threat to Western civilization today is not Russia. It's probably, more than anything else, ourselves and some of the horrible USA-hating people that represent us. These globalists want to squander all of America's strength, blood, and treasure, chasing monsters and phantoms overseas while keeping us distracted from the havoc they're creating right here at home. These forces are doing more damage to America than Russia and China could ever have dreamed. Evicting this sick and corrupt establishment is the monumental task for the next president. And I am the only one who can do it. I'm the only one that can get the job done. I know exactly what has to be done. Um, do you want to take that in for just a moment? That Russia and China are not a threat? Russia is not a threat to the United States? With uh, the raping and pillaging and mass murder of Ukrainian civilians... Russia does not represent a threat. Uh, look, I, I know that he's a Putin apologist, but when he is talking about the greatest threat to America is not Russia, it's not China. It's the American establishment that is so corrupt. And, and this goes along with um, the statement he made last week uh, where he said that he believed that the members of the January 6th committee, that um, the what he calls the unselect committee, should be prosecuted for treason? No, I, I mean, this is his position. If he's elected president, he means to uh, try to force the Justice Department uh, to prosecute the members of that committee for treason for trying to investigate the most serious breach of security we've had. We haven't had a problem of that, of government buildings being invaded by a hostile mob. And, of course, it was a hostile mob. Look at the damage that they did to the building and the damage they did to 140 policemen. But, uh, and to Capitol policemen and to Metropolitan D.C. policemen and other law enforcement officials. And this is just incredible. And for investigating that, that's a, an act of treason requiring prosecution and a death penalty. Uh, doesn't this seem 
a, a little bit uh, off the out of the mainstream. Uh, Americans' favorite. This is Gallup. Americans' favorite favorable rating of Russia sinks to a new low, lowest ever, nine percent. Is that because America agrees with President Trump that Russia is not a threat? I think everybody who really believes in your heart that Russia is no threat to America, that you, we don't have anything to worry about Russia because they're a freedom-loving and a constructive and positive nation that, that really should be walking arm-in-arm arm with the United States. If you believe that, then I'm sure you'll vote for Trump. The... Uh, Favorability of Russia was 15% in 2022. Since the invasion of Ukraine, it's gone down all the way to 9%. And it's amazing that it's 9%. 68% of Americans view Ukraine favorably. Okay, that's 68% compared to 9% who view Russia positively. 56% now say Russia-Ukraine war is a critical threat to U.S. vital interests. That's a clear majority in this country. A majority of Republicans called Russia's war against Ukraine a critical threat to U.S. interests in the weeks before Florida GOP Governor Ron DeSantis said the conflict was a territorial dispute and not a matter of vital national interest. Uh, Marco Rubio and Condoleezza Rice uh, take a different point of view, uh, and they're both worth hearing, and we'll play what they had to say and what they had to offer uh, coming up right after this break. But there's also the very first member of the House to uh, endorse Ron DeSantis for president. Who was it? It's somebody who had been previously closely identified with President Trump, a big Trump supporter. Medved. Who is uh, the representative of the 21st District in Texas. He is a uh, very strong supporter of the MAGA movement. And he became uh, yesterday the very first House Republican to endorse Ron DeSantis for president in 2024. Uh, Roy took a veiled swipe at Donald Trump in his statement saying, quote, it's time for younger but proven leadership to offer America eight solid years of transformational change. Now, why is it significant that he said eight solid years? Because Trump can't offer that. Trump can only serve four more years as president. There's a 22nd Amendment to the Constitution that uh, limits any president to two terms, even if they're non-consecutive. In other words, before the 22nd Amendment, it could have been that Grover Cleveland, who had two non-consecutive terms, could have run for a third term. He would have lost and would have lost badly in 1896. 
but uh, he, he didn't even try. And the the truth of the matter is Trump would know from the beginning that he's a lame duck president, uh, as it's called, from the very moment he comes in, which is why uh, the statement that he made about basically uprooting uh, everything in our national security apparatus, in our diplomatic apparatus, the, the number of members of the National Security Council or the number of people with uh, responsible positions and some of them nonpartisan positions in the State Department or in the Pentagon or the Joint Chiefs of Staff, do you think any of them, any of them, any, any, any of them would agree with Donald Trump that Russia is not a threat to the United States? that uh, China is not a threat to the United States, that the United States' only real threat is uh, President Trump's political opponents in the uh, uh, national security world. Uh, 1-800-955-1776, for those who want to express agreement with President Trump's most recent statement, can we hear it again for just a moment, Jeremy? Oh. Well, we will we will get it back. Uh, the policy establishment keeps trying to pull the world into conflict with a nuclear-armed Russia based on the lie that Russia represents our greatest threat. But the greatest threat to Western civilization today is not Russia. It's probably, more than anything else, ourselves and some of the horrible USA-hating people that represent us at home. The State Department, the defense bureaucracy, the intelligence services, and all of the rest need to be completely overhauled and reconstituted to fire the deep staters and put America first. We have to put America first. Finally, we have to finish the process we began under my administration of fundamentally revaluating NATO's purpose and NATO's mission. Our foreign policy establishment keeps trying to pull the world into conflict with a nuclear-armed Russia based on the lie that Russia represents our greatest threat. But the greatest threat to Western civilization today is not Russia. It's probably, more than anything else, ourselves and some of the horrible... Okay, I think USA this is being played on a, a loop somehow. Jeremy, thank you. Um, What's so extraordinary about that is it's extremely close to uh, stuff out of Kremlin propaganda. I mean, really close. The idea that it's the U.S. that's trying to push Russia into confrontation and the idea that NATO has to be restructured. NATO has never been more vibrant or useful with all 30 countries uh, working together to try to prevent Russian aggression for a peaceful neighbor. I mean, this is just extraordinary. And and if you look at the contributions, most of the NATO countries, not all of them, but most of them, are very much including some of those NATO countries in Eastern Europe, have made more per capita and per dollar amount contributions to Ukraine's defense than we have. And it's, it's been very, very rare that NATO has been so united or so purposeful. And now President Trump 
is hinting at uh, a desire to basically restructure NATO or leave NATO. There are reports that uh, during uh, his term as president, he, he had introduced the idea of the United States leaving NATO. Which, uh, if you really do believe there is such a thing as evil in the world, and if you actually look at some of what has been happening in Ukraine and to Ukraine, to deny that what the Russians are doing and have done is evil, it's bizarre. Uh, here's Marco Rubio this morning. He was on CBS News talking about the Russian jet that took down a U.S. drone. Senator Rubio of Florida. Clip one. This was a deliberate effort. This wasn't some accident. It wasn't some harassment effort that, you know, went awry. This was a design. They basically decided we are going to begin to shoot down um, U.S. Uh, assets, you know, whatever's flying in what they call restricted airspace. It's over international waters, international airspace, but they declare a restriction over it. For whatever reason, they want to conduct military operations. And, and they're saying anything that flies in there, we're going to shoot it down. So this is a direct test of the Biden administration to trying to see what the limits are. And uh, it's a message of their displeasure. But more importantly, I think it's a test to see if we'll respond to it, if we'll continue to fly or if this causes us not to fly in that area anymore. And uh, then he gave further comments about the remarks by uh, Senator DeSantis, no, Governor DeSantis, about um, the Ukraine war and Russia's dangers. Uh, this is Senator Marco Rubio of Florida. Well, I think those of us who support some U.S. role in what's happening there have an obligation to explain to people why it matters. Look, Ukraine is not the, the most important national security issue facing America, but it's not unimportant. There is a vital interest involved here. And one of them is that we haven't just invested money in Ukraine. We've invested our prestige and our credibility. And the argument the Chinese are making is that the West is in terminal decline. The United States is a rapidly declining once great superpower. And they're not going to do anything. They're not going to take on China. So if we were to cut and run now, if we were to walk away from our commitment to Ukraine, the Chinese would point to that and say to our allies, how are you going to count on the United States? They're not going to be there. They, they abandoned in Afghanistan chaotically, and they didn't do anything about you. They couldn't even sustain an effort in Ukraine against Russia. So I, I think what we need to do is determine what is it that Ukraine needs, not what they want, but what do they need. Then we need to determine how much of it can we afford to provide we need to make sure none of it is misspent, and we have to get our allies, particularly rich countries like Germany, to do more and to do their part in that endeavor. But I don't think our interests there are zero, and so our effort there should not be zero either. And by the way, Germany is one of those countries, Japan is another one, that uh, our opponents in World War II are now among our closest allies, and both of them with dramatic increases in their defense spending. Uh, Germany in particular, but Japan in particular, because Japan had built in pacifism into the original Japanese constitution. And now in terms of uh, working with the United States and the other nations in the Pacific, including Australia uh, and South Korea and uh, the Philippines, in fact, and, and the United States, uh, Japan is um, committed a tremendous increases in defense spending, which, um, in fairness, President Trump had been urging. Uh, when we come back, uh, Condoleezza Rice speaks at the Reagan Library. Her theme, A Time 
for choosing. What does she mean? We'll get to it coming up on the Medved Show. Medved. In my opinion, he's the most powerful man in the world. This is the Michael Medved Show. China's ambitions, Russia's nukes, and TikTok. Spy chief talk, uh, biggest uh, U.S. security threats. And um, that's basically our spy chiefs analyzing what we have to worry about in the world. Uh, President Trump disagrees. Uh, so I think does James in New Mexico. James, you're on the Michael Medved show. You're on the air. I have a good signal. I've been listening to you for a long, long time. Thank you. Even when I first heard you on Rush Limbaugh. I'm pretty disappointed with you now these days. Um, I feel like you're more of a propagandist than, than the actual getting actual information from you. I apologize for the Democrats. So let me ask you one question. What is the vital interest in Ukraine? And Rubio suggested it was... Oh, our prestige? Is that what it is? It's prestige? our credibility. And in, in other words, uh, President Biden and President Trump before him have made commitments about Taiwan. And right now, the, the message to uh, not just Russia, but to China and to North Korea, to Iran... Uh, you name the country to any country with uh, aggressive ambitions toward its neighbors. Uh, if Ukraine uh, loses the war and Russia basically captures Ukraine and makes it again part of the Russian Empire, uh, first of all, there will not only be untold suffering, untold economic damage to the whole world, but... Uh, there would also be a tremendous invitation for other countries to replicate what Russia uh, is doing right now to uh, in in the face of uh, the all the 30 nations of NATO who are united in trying to defend Ukraine. Watch news all the time. I have a degree in journalism. I watch news all the time, and I don't see anybody reporting on what NATO countries are actually doing as far as making payments into the uh, into Ukraine compared to what we do. Okay, I, I'm sorry. There are lots and lots of reports about that. There was a report that was featured, I think, on all the news networks, and uh, it was based upon an analysis of comparing the amount of money that those other NATO countries have put forward uh, and their uh, total gross domestic product. And uh, there are a number of NATO countries, uh, including, I believe, the United Kingdom, uh, Great Britain, that have are giving more than the United States. Uh, Poland uh, today uh, 
has pledged it would send four MiG-29 fighter jets to Ukraine, the first NATO member to do so. Uh, that's in a significant move in Kyiv's battle to resist Russia's onslaught. We haven't sent them fighter jets yet. Uh, we may. But uh, the, uh, the, this is one of those things, James. You, you can look it up uh, basically in, in any number of places, and I think you can find a listing of the literally billions of dollars that NATO nations, including Italy, the uh, new prime minister of Italy, who's considered the most conservative or the most right-wing prime minister of Italy since Mussolini, but she has been enormously supportive of Ukraine. And Italy has sent money. Uh, there's a dateline. Uh, Oslo, Norway's prime minister, proposed that his country, a major petroleum, a petroleum exporter, should provide some 75 billion crowns, that's 7.3 billion in aid to Ukraine over five years. Now, Norway is a small country, and uh, it's a five million people. And uh, the, the idea that the United States is all alone in supporting Ukraine is simply not true. Um, you say that anybody that disagrees with your point of view right now is a Putin apologist. That's a horrible thing to say. Just well, because we disagree with you. again, I don't that is, say that no, anyone who propaganda. disagrees, I'm, I certainly wouldn't say you're a Putin apologist. I think if people are saying that... Uh, well, you're using that as propaganda is what you're doing. It, it, wait, it's not propaganda. If somebody is it echoing... Is hold on for a moment. If somebody is echoing the talking points that are being put forward by the Kremlin, wouldn't that be uh, an example of someone taking the Putin side of things and being a Putin apologist? The way it is, everybody says if you take, if you don't agree with putting in $100 billion into Ukraine, then you're a Putin apologist. No, not everybody is, says that. If, if what you're saying is that Russia is no threat to the United States, that's different. Nobody's if you're saying that right, Ukraine is not, is not a part of the interest of the United States and is not in our national interest, then you can have a disagreement. But if you are echoing the Kremlin talking points, which are that the real danger to the world is American warmongers and not Russia and China, then how would you describe that? I will describe what Trump says is not as well informed as you. And he's a lousy politician and he's mostly a jerk. I wouldn't call him a Putin apologist. Last well, I, question, I, sir. I, I, Georgia, I think, I think it, the law being broken. What is the law that Trump breaks in Georgia by wishing to overturn the Georgia election by calling Rassenberger and the Speaker of the House? What, what is the law that he was breaking? It, it's basically interference with a uh, and and we'll see when he's indicted. And I I think it is likely that he will be indicted. And um, the the idea of trying to overcome an election not by bringing a lawsuit, which is what he did, sixty times, and he lost all of those lawsuits. And if you are then working behind the scenes, not to influence somebody with a public statement, but with a private statement 
I want you to find me an extra uh, 12,000 ballots. Isn't uh, the implication there, basically, uh, this is, and he said that repeatedly to Raffensperger. And this new idea about calling a special session of the Georgia legislature to, to undo the results of a certified election. If, if we go to the situation where we have this kind of fight over every election that we have, James, I'm sure as somebody who's educated and a student of history, and you said you studied communications, uh, the, the damage to the United States would be profound, wouldn't it? Anti-communist since 1961 when what's-his-name jumped over the barbed wire. I'm sorry, which? Oh, when that East German guard jumped over the barbed wire. Right, they were well over the Berlin Wall. Well, it was just the barbed wire at the time. It's the beginning of it. I've been anti-communist since then. Good. I've been paying attention since then. Good. And do you believe? And you believe that Russia was a great threat to the world? I assume in 1961. Probably not till uh, Khrushchev banged his. I mean, I was only 11 years well, wait, old. But... Yeah, but Khrushchev was a successor to Stalin. <laughs> Stalin was one of the greatest mass murderers in all of human history. Uh, the, the, the truth of the matter is your right to be an anti-communist and your right to be concerned about national security. And uh, I must say Mitch McConnell is completely right about the United States being unable to turn its back on the rest of the world. If we...